But say, anyway, but the word that I oh, made God. up, the that I used the most as a kid that I made up is that I would call boobs pibbies. And I still stand by it, like, linguistically, I think pibby is a good word for breasts. It's a good word for boobs. Yeah, it fits Wait. in between. <laughs> it's like more innocent than boobies and less sexual than titties. Pibbies. It's kind of like funny asexual boobs. This is Chapel Belker. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we are back to talk about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Down in Jacksonville, where I think it's way past the holler, down in the swamplands. You know the mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Our Georgia Bulldogs are playing the Florida Gators in perhaps the most, I was about to say, the most anticipated game of the season, but it is not any longer yeah, not the even most close. anticipated game of the season. Yeah. Not even close. I think in preseason, it was the most anticipated game of the season, but we are well past that. Um, this is just another, you know, bump in the log, I would say. Not to demean this game or belittle this game by any means, because it can still go either way, as Florida games tend to do, but... It is a lot less consequential, it feels, than it previously felt in the preseason. So, without further ado, I guess, um, let's do a quick housekeeping note about our Patreon. You want to plug our Patreon there, Nathan? Yes, sir. If you would like to support this podcast and become a part of a, I will say, sterling, superlative, top-tier community of Georgia fans that are like-minded to you, you can support us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. As little as $1 a month gets you access to our Patreon, a few more dollars, you get your own early podcast feed with outtakes and all the stuff that we take out of the show because it would get us fired. A little bit more money and you can get access to our show notes ahead ahead of each show. And if you're willing to really pony up the dough, you can ask your own question that we must answer on every single episode. Pony up that dough is what Nathan said. Yep, Yep. that's the thing humans say. (laughs) Carry on. That's a pony up that dough, my man. Okay, so, you know, without further ado, really, we're going to get into this episode. So, talking about Florida, we got a little history segment. Do you want to kind of, you just have a, a get ready link. Will you click on the get ready link and then and then give me just like a live reaction to it? This get ready link goes to a 13 second clip from the Return of the Jedi, the sixth episode in the star wars saga the luke skywalker saga the skywalker saga let the hate flow through you <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah do it uh kill count dooku do it you do look, it okay do it here's the history wow. here's the history uh florida football was really bad before steve spurrier but occasionally would upset georgia right in the steve spurrier era florida absolutely dominated georgia uh Basically, for 20 years through the Steve Spurrier and then on into the Urban Meyer era. Basically, until until 2016, UGA had been routinely in the modern area, just absolutely ass-whipped by Florida. Uh, this happened in the Tim Tebow era when I was in school. It happened in the post-Tim Tebow or in my Urban Meyer era. It happened in 
every single iteration of Steve Spurrier's team. Now, this is because Steve Spurrier was a Heisman Trophy winner at Florida and was, I believe, 0-4 against Georgia and hates Georgia and likes to troll us, which respect whatever he's gone and I don't have to worry about it anymore. If you ask most Florida fans, you know, football didn't start before 1995 because that's when they got good. But Florida is, to my mind, because of the generation that I am from, still UGA's number one rival. If you're younger than me, mm-hmm. you probably think UGA's number one rival is Alabama. If you're a little older than me, you might think Auburn or maybe Tennessee. But to me, as someone who cut his teeth in college football, you know, as to Tim Tebow came onto the scene. I believe I'm a year younger than Tim Tebow, if I'm not mistaken. But that sounds right to me. Florida is the evil empire. Florida is if you have to go one in eleven and you can beat one team, Florida is still the team. I that's all the history you know that you need to know. Georgia is currently fifty three forty four and two against Florida. That's a five point four. Or 0.545 winning percentage. No Florida fan that you know will act like that. Florida fans tend to act like that they are some combination of Alabama, the Dallas Cowboys, and the UCLA Bruins on in basketball in the sense that they have a big reputation, but they haven't won anything recently. Uh, well, other than Alabama. And I, I hate them. That's the history. I hate them. I, I, I want to say before I really get into this, I know a lot of Florida people that I like personally. There's some Florida people on Twitter that I really like. I don't hate people in general. And I don't hate people specifically, but if you want to talk about a university football program that I think should cease to exist, it is Florida. I look Ooh. keep Gainesville intact. Anyone who chooses to live in Gainesville, you know, belongs there. The University of Florida is a fine educational institution, but find Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Find their well, I don't know if they have an outdoor practice field. Find their football facility. Plow it under. Salt the fields. Irradiate <laughs> the soil. Like, like, and then curtain it off like it's Chernobyl, so far as I'm concerned. They can have the rest of it for themselves. Living in Gainesville is punishment enough. I don't need to take anything else. If I, like, like yeah. Florida Delinda Est, man. If I, I, I am, I am Cato the Lesser and Florida is Carthage. I will not stop until <laughs> they cease to exist. The only answer is violence. Figurative violence. That I, I hate them. Figurative. That's it. If you need to be encouraged to hate Florida... What the hell are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that rant because it gave me enough time to get a few drinks. Uh, I don't even know how long I just talked. I me? just passed out. Like, I, that's, was... <laughs> that's the degree to which I hate Florida. Like I, I, I It was I, enough for sustenance. All of these other recent histories, I've I've come up with like like witty, funny things, but like all every time I think of Florida, I white out and I think about the time that Tim Tebow did the gator chomp around the stadium after they were winning by like 40 points. Team TBO is maybe the greatest college football quarterback of all time, but I would fist fight him now. He seems like a decent guy, but I would still fight him. Would he probably beat me up? Yeah, that's fine. I'd still that's fight part him. part of it. I, yeah, I'll take that class action lawsuit. I, I can't stop hating them. It, it's like, I, I feel about Florida the way that Lady Macbeth feels about Macbeth. Like, God, if they if they didn't exist, we would have to invent them so we could hate them. You know, like, our sexual chemistry is such a toxic, virulent mix of, of madness and anger and lust that I don't know how to live without them. I'm in a toxic relationship with Florida. I hate them, God. But I, I'm glad they're here, because, like, 
what ha- you know when the kid you beat up on the playground leaves who do you beat up you're just bored and you got to self you got to be <laughs> self introspective you got to realize you're a bully and stuff i don't want to do that i need this i need this i don't know how to quit you florida like the like of the 10 worst decisions i've made in my life eight of them were at the occasion of the uga florida game go on i'm not going to no that's all that, that's what I'm, I'm just saying. That's what this does to me. Like I, every time I go Tell down, us more. I I make better decisions now. But every time I go down to St. Augustine, I have to screw my courage to the sticking point. Like I'm just like I'm just like out here. Like if I had if I had made a promise to me to you that you would made to me, I would rip the babe from my b- breast and dash it against the rocks. Like I'm I'm absolutely Lady Macbeth. I'm like scratching unseen blood stains off of my hands. I'm like rocking back and forth on the floor. Like I am I. I I, I don't know who I become. It is the witching hour. It is the devil's day. I don't like fuck Florida. That's like, that's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> that's the whole tweet. Are you going to Jacksonville for this game? Yeah, I am. No. <laughs> I've, I've contained uh, myself. Okay. Well, with all that being said, let's get into some news. Some you know what? You want to know this? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Go okay, go ahead. Let me say one more thing. I'm not going to stop you. Let me say one thing that's, I don't know if it's like pathetic or scary or sad. You know, I've never been drunk at a Florida game. Every single Hmm. Florida game, every single interaction I've ever had with any Florida fan on the day of a Florida game, I've been stone cold church mouth sober. I have been, I have been non-hypocritical Southern Baptist sober. I have been Mormon college student sober every single time I've been around these dumb denim wearing fucks. And I like, I don't know what happens to me. They just turn me into a different person. Like if they were a woman, this would be like a weird fan fiction. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to relate to them. You good? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. I got you it out. Get it all out. Get it all out, bud. I'm sorry when you have to edit this future, Justin or Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay. You're not doing anything wrong. We're going to be just fine. So let's get into a little bit of uh, qualitative news things. These are sort of the storylines we have coming out of this game. The very first one, the, the one that everybody wants to kind of talk about. Everyone's aware of the quality of this Georgia team. Everyone is also aware of the quality of this Florida team. So everyone is therefore aware that the greatest asset that Florida has is Anthony Richardson. It's the player that everybody talked about going into the season. It's the player that everyone is talking about now as many games into the season as we have. And so the question remains, can Anthony Richardson do enough to keep the game close? Is Anthony Richardson enough to make this game interesting against mm-hmm. Georgia? It's an interesting topic. The short answer is probably no. I'm I'm willing to interrogate that more in our quantitative segment, but I think it is something for us to look forward to. That is a narrative that I'm actually relatively interested in. I'm interested to hear more about that as well, because as you've heard me say in previous episodes, Georgia loves a team that relies on one or two players. They have mm-hmm. one or two impact players. Mm-hmm. They eat it up. They love it. Mm-hmm. It's their favorite thing. They make a team predictable. If you can cut off the things that they do, and you could do it well, which Georgia can do consistently game to game, then they're going to be just fine. But, but historically, I would love to hear more to, about it in the quantitative segment. Historically, to beat Georgia, you need either a dominant or under Kirby Smart. To beat Georgia, you either need to be Vanderbilt on a weird year, have a dominant passing attack and a game-breaking wide receiver, or just have a stable of playmakers. And Mm -hmm. Florida, you're right, just doesn't have that 
kind of they don't that's not the composition of their team at this point uh the, another one yeah, another storyline right i'm now. interested in is that you know uh well we already earned our explicit tag i think i don't know what i said in that rant but we probably did britain yeah, cox done talked a whole lot of shit he done mm-hmm. talked a whole lot of shit and you know what as a rule i respect shit talking yeah. But he done talked a whole lot Part of, of shit. Game. Yeah. And for a guy who was, I think, 0-2 against, or 1-1 one one against uh, Georgia at this point, he's talked a whole lot of shit. And he's a really good player. But he has had some things to say over the season and some things to say, you know, over in the summer about Georgia, which, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, you better... You better come prepared because Britton Cox is a legitimate NFL player who is going to make some plays against this team. But I I just like you look at him and you're like, who else is lighting up around you, man? Like, you know, I'm sh- I'm sure that your former your former teammates and people who still consider you friends are not going to hesitate to put your ass in the absolute dirt. The next question is uh, not really a question, but a storyline. This is a little bit of these next two uh, bullet points here, but Georgia's got a whole bunch of injuries right this minute. So those significant pieces now are Dan Jackson, Jalen Carter, A.D. Mitchell, Kendall Milton, Smile Munden, Lad McConkey, Tremaine Marshall. Uh, how much do these starters, Jalen Carter, A.D. Mitchell, Smile Munden, and Arian Smith impact the game? At this point, because these are newer injuries that we're having to face um, and just kind of compounded injuries at this point in the season. A few of these we have gotten used to having to deal with. But now that we're getting into some pretty significant games with Florida and Tennessee on the horizon, how much do these really impact the game? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I don't know if we need that many of these dudes to beat Florida, but we do need some of these guys to beat Tennessee probably. And some mm. of these positions, they are going to need reps before they are back in it. Most of them. I think that Jalen Carter is probably good enough that he can figure it out on the fly. But, you know, a lot of these timing based positions, especially in the skill positions, it's like A.D. Mitchell, Kendall Milton, Smile, uh, and Lad McConkey. Uh, it is. And I mean, even Arian Smith, who I think actually had some plays against Vanderbilt. But these guys whose jobs depend on timing are going to need to get some reps in this game if they expect to be impact players against Tennessee. So I have heard that uh, I think the most serious of these of people who has a chance of coming back is probably Jalen Carter. There is scuttlebutt about that. He, and I saw, I've seen actually this reported several places that he's practicing more, more, but depending on who you ask, he's either questionable or doubtful for Florida. And so that, concerns me less because I think that Jalen Carter is probably good enough to figure it out on the fly against Tennessee. But I do think that if we don't see AD Mitchell at all against Florida, it's hard to imagine him having impact against Tennessee. And that is concerning, right? Uh, I've been wrong before and certainly I could be wrong again. And it could be that AD Mitchell comes back for his first play against Tennessee and gets a 70 yard touchdown. But you know, so much of the passing game is about not just speed and spacing, but rapport and timing and intuition. And even though it is sort of established at this point that 
the rapport between AD and Stetson Bennett is very good. He's still going to need time to get back into the flow of things. And it would be concerning to me if we didn't see him at all, even in mop-up duty this game. Another storyline going on that I think we get pretty consistently over the years, and it's being renewed again this year as the contract comes up, uh, is what are the chances we finally get a home-and-home between Georgia and Florida? And I want to hear your thoughts on this because I know you have some pretty significant thoughts on it. Well, I mean, I think the chances that it ends up in Athens at some point are pretty good, even if that's on like a three-year rotation where it's like Jacksonville, Gainesville, Athens. That's probably the most reasonable course of action or the most likely outcome i Mm -hmm. i don't know what to say i mean i think the willingness of some parts of this fan base to just completely dismiss the the jacksonville game is kind of sad this game has been in jacksonville since i think the 40s or 30s uh and Mm -hmm. you know i'm not a guy that's traditions for tradition's sake and I'm willing to let go of some things. And maybe it's just because I'm in the Redcoats and the Redcoats have been going down to St. Augustine before the Florida game until since the 40s. But like, that's a tradition that means something for me. And, you know, a lot of coverage of the Georgia of this team and a lot of coverage of the fan base is very Atlanta centric, which is totally fine. Like, we are right now sitting in the Atlanta Metroplex as we speak. But mm-hmm. there are, there's a, good portion of the state particularly in south georgia and north florida that are uh, are a good portion of the georgia fan nation particularly in south georgia and north florida for whom this game is a really big deal it is you know it is something that they look forward to the entire year and i just don't a i don't really buy the recruiting thing because it's like sure it makes it hard to recruit either a get the sec to change the rule about having recruits at neutral games which there are other conferences that let you do that for the record, pretty much all of them other than the, other than the SEC or be like deal with the fact that you're getting first and second rank classes anyway. So it doesn't matter. Like I, I don't, I don't buy that argument. I, you know, I buy the argument that like, Oh, well we need another home game cause we never get night games. It's like, okay, well if we're not getting night games, then like try to go to, like do some hard bargaining at the negotiation table with the TV guys, put some, use some political pressure, use all this political clout that we've, that we have amassed as a very high level brand in college football. I just, the flippancy with which people want this moved out of Jacksonville frustrates me. Like, yeah, I get the arguments. I get that it's hard to park. I get that it's hard to drive. I get that. Like, you know, the fan experience is weird and that there's more Florida fans than there would be. But, like, yeah, it's weird, dude. That's, like, the fucking appeal. Like, that's why we watch college football. Of all of the neutral mm-hmm. site games at NFL stadiums, this is the one that actually has a little bit of, like, like grit to it. has a little bit of soul, right? Like, this is, a, mm-hmm. this is a game that's been played here since before this stadium was built, when it was the Gator Bowl. Like, I think it means a lot to a lot of people and that a lot of the, the chatter on Twitter and in the traditional UGA media has been, you know a little too quick to dismiss the value of this game to its fan base. Now, having said that, I think the most likely thing is that it goes to like a three-year rotation or something, but I still think that's Mm -hmm. effing stupid. (laughs) That seems more equitable though, I will say. Yeah, but I still hate it. Nathan hates it. That's the word on the streets. Before we get into our quantitative statement or statement segment, we do have a little bit of a chapel bell curve deep cut. Blast not really pass. a deep cut last season like retro last pass, that's the word i'm looking for there it is uh we have yara's rage 
If uh, this is your first time hearing Yara's Rage, then what you need to know about it is that Yara was previously a red coat, now not a red coat, uh, personal choice, and got into college and therefore college football in 2020. And so that's where they're at now. They fell in love with college football um, during those years and also through Chapel Bell Curve was and still is a big hockey fan and um, needed an outlet during those times. And so Yara would come here and share their questions as a burgeoning football fan with us. And so we have some questions from Yara. Are you ready for him? Yeah. All right. Here they come. Yara says, hey, besties, I'm back with a new Apple Pencil and a dream. Enjoy chaos. Uh, the very first question is, okay, real talk. Stetson, Heisman? Why or why not? Uh, Yeah, no. I, I think... That ship has sailed. Yeah, I think he's had a couple of bad games. Not bad. He's had a couple of average games. And I think that, honestly, I think that uh, the Ohio State quarterback, what's his name? Chase. Oh. CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud. It's like CJ, Bryce, yep. like all these... All these non-white guys with white guy names, it's very confusing. Anyway, I just I, yeah. don't, I think Stetson's way behind the eight ball. Have you guys ever been to Frat Beach? I'm about to go for the very first time. Would like some advice. Uh, I have not been to Frat Beach on Florida. Neither weekend. have I. I have been to the area that is Flat Beach or Frat Beach in non-Florida weekend. I would say my approach to situations like Frat Beach, like if I when in the times I've gone to PCB or like, you know, Bourbon Street or whatever, it's just like uh you know have an exit strategy uh be willing to bail yes and i don't mean that in like a personal safety way i mean obviously yeah if you think you're in an unsafe situation get out of there but i mean like it's the kind of thing where even for big extroverts i think everyone has a finite amount of just battery for that kind of environment and i think you just have to be kind of willing to be like okay this was cool i'm done because it's the kind of thing, yeah. And this has been my experience with my experience with Bourbon Street. Like, it's really cool until it's not, and then when it's not cool, it becomes very not cool and not fun. So, like, you, I think, just have to be willing to say, like, oh, okay, we're done. And you know, whether that's like being able to Uber back to your room or being, you know, if you have another more private area to go with a smaller group of people, it, it is just helpful to be able to say, like, this is where I. This is where I'm done with this, and I'm just gonna like go somewhere else, and just preparing yeah. yourself so that you can do fair. that ahead of time. Yeah. Do you think the defensive line talks to one another about Tinder matches, or can I continue to homie hop? Good <laughs> God, Yara, just out on Maine. I really thought this was I hope... something. Okay, yeah. For legal purposes, that was a joke. I. I think you can. Ho- I, I think you can homie hop until someone tells you to not homie hop. I mean, look if yeah. if you meet someone on Tinder, I think there's a certain expectation for what the relationship is going to be. Uh, I think as long mm-hmm. as everybody is open and honest, and everyone involved is a consenting adult, like go wild. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I hope they do talk about it, and they're all like. Y'all, you know Yara? <laughs> and they're special, like, no, but I need to. That's a special person, Yara. She yeah. blocks this defensive line better What's than most fav- offensive lines in the SEC do. <laughs> uh, next question is, what's your favorite hobby right now? I 
I hate that these words are about to come out of my mouth. Uh-oh. But, but man, I'm really enjoying spin classes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. I, I, I just, it's, it's fun. Spin classes are fun. I yeah. went to, so I visited Charlotte this past weekend to visit some friends up there. And uh, we went to see Lizzo. It was incredible. And then we also went to Scarewinds. And I got to say, so one of my friends works at a spin class there. And I got to say, it is a great time. Spin class in person is so much fun. I'm an extrovert. So that's just for me. Uh, But we went to, I love that they have themes. They all have themes. And so the one we went to was a Taylor Swift album release party spin Mm. class. And it was outstanding. That's awesome. It's like going to church, but without all the religion. Yeah. And I love it. I have done it a couple of times in real life, but I have a Peloton now and look, it's a cult. I get it, but there's a reason. It's a good cult. Yeah. I, I did one or they have like an artist series that was, you know, they have a lot of themed series and, uh, they had one that was like, uh, it was all TI or no, not TI. It was all T-Pain and a lot, most of the artist series, they just do have songs from that artist, but the one I was on, T-Pain just, like, walks out on stage and just, like, starts all yelling. Right. And I was like, damn, T-Pain, all right. <laughs> you look good, man. Just some T-Pain shit. T-Pain kind of got I a dump that. truck. That, that's the one thing I, I learned. <laughs> good for him. Uh, my what hobby is just this. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I was going to say. And also got back into Magic Arena recently, mm. so that's been fun. My hobby right now is just sort of... My spare time is claimed as much as I can mm-hmm. by me. Like, as long as my spare time is doing something that just I want to do, mm-hmm. that's a hobby right now. That's, that's the most I'm, important I'm thing, in, like, triage mode. I'm just yeah. trying to survive, you know? I, so we talked in our Ask CBC episode about two things. One, we talked about how we always get into a game, right, in December or January. Mm-hmm. The other thing I talked about was how I would like to learn to play golf, but I don't have any of the cultural knowledge, know-how, or equipment to do so. Me neither. Uh, so here's my suggestion. Either A, in January, let's get really randomly into golf. Or B, let's okay. get really randomly into disc golf. I, I'm really into disc golf already, so I'm ready to get you into disc I've golf. I've never played disc golf, but it sounds like it would be fun. It's time. Let's do it. I'm I also think we should go to Top Golf. Let's do, let's do, I'm just putting this out there right now. All of Chap- the above. Chapel Bell Curve Top Golf Meetup. Let's do it done uh next question is what's your favorite beer right now hmm i have really been enjoying the uh wild leap super lager it is Mm. just a i don't know that one yeah it is just a i forget it's not bavarian it's it's just a basic lager uh but it is i don't know man i really like i feel like a lager it's like it's like a cello playing canon in d like it's like it's everybody does it and so if you do it poorly it's really obvious but when you do it mm-hmm. right it's like transcendent uh and it's it's just a german pill style lager and there's not a lot yep. more going on to it but damn it's good dude it's just light and it's well balanced and it's not too melty it's very good i agree with that yeah everyone yeah everyone can make a lager but you can only make a lager. If you can make a lager well, then you're really doing something yeah, special. Yeah, it's like if you, um, it, when a symphony plays like f- First Suite or like uh, the Planet Suite or like, you know, Tchaikovsky, one of like the big Tchaikovsky's or 
one of the big Beethovens. It's like everybody plays it so they yeah. know if it's bad. My favorite beer right now is another Wild Leap beer. It is the Oktoberfest. Mm. They have a great Bavarian-style lager. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like most Oktoberfest beers are ales. They made a lager, their Oktoberfest beer. And Oktoberfest beer is not pumpkin beer. Let me say that. That is very important. It is not pumpkin beer. Those are two different things. Oktoberfest beers tend to be malty. They tend to be dry. They tend to be something you can drink all day and not get absolutely wasted. And this does a great job of that. I have had two of them um, over the course of our back-to-back recording tonight, and then it's been a lovely time. Yeah, I've had it's two. Nice. It reminds me of fall. I've had two Sierra Nevada um, Oktoberfest because I couldn't find the Wild Leap. And the final question from Yara, is our defense on the struggle bus right now? Will we be okay for Florida? I mean, I think we'll be fine for Florida. Florida's kind of a one-dimensional offense in many ways. Uh-huh. And I I don't think our defense is a struggle less right now. I think there's still a top five, top ten defense, depending on who you ask. They just aren't historically, generationally good. So it is going to take some getting used to, even more than halfway through the season, when they give up some yards and points. So that's a little bit of our qualitative. Yeah. Let's do some Would quantitative. Would you like to... Yeah, throw us right into the deep end of this quantitative segment. All right, so in our quantitative segment, we try to get into the facts. We try to get into the numbers, into the sort of nitty-gritty of breaking down this matchup. So we'll start with who is our opponent. So who is Florida? Well, the, the number one thing to know about Florida offensively is that they have a pretty good, to a, like above average to good running attack led by Anthony Richardson and Montrell Johnson Um, in that running attack. They are incredibly efficient. They're actually a very efficient team. They stay ahead of the sticks. They stay on schedule. They are not explosive on a consistent basis. They can run the ball. A lot of how they can run the ball is that Anthony Richardson is a both willing and talented runner. And so you have sort of that blocking advantage on pretty much every run play where Anthony Richard can touch the ball. They really like doing like zone read stuff. They like the late pull RPO stuff. They don't quite run like the Wake Forest walk to the line RPO stuff, but they they do some runs really slow developing RPOs with Richardson. They also will run him on just straight quarterback draw sometimes. He is a very talented athlete. The pass game has not been good. Like... They have passed, on average, 27 times a game, which is good for 113th in the nation pass rate. They aren't good at passing, so they don't do it. I actually think that this coaching staff is more than just good. I think they're pretty pretty to very good coaching staff. But I think that that breakdown of tendency tells you what Florida already knows about its offense. By contrast, UGA, which is like a recovering man ball team, throws it 38 times in a game, on average. Right? So... Oof. This is not a team that throws because they knew they can't throw consistently. They are okay at short throws. They've been okay in not hard play action, but with some play action motion or in rolling out the pocket because they have a very mobile quarterback. They are just not very successful when they pass the ball. They're 87th in passing success rate. They're in the mid-70s in all of the passing EPA metrics. Uh, their most accomplished receiver, Justin Shorter, has 405 yards and two touchdowns, which is fine. Those are comparable numbers to UGA's top receivers, but UGA has way more consistent receiving threats than Florida, I would say. And that is a problem because UGA's maybe weakness is in their non-tight end receiver group, right? Um, This is a defense that just hasn't been good down to down this year. 
uh, you know, outside of Cox, their front seven has struggled. Most people who talk about this game from a Florida perspective will tell you that this is a bad matchup for UGA's or for Florida's front seven. They have some talented, I would say very talented front seven players that are young and developing. And then they have some guys who are high. Uh, they have some guys that are, you know, high value, highly regarded recruits who have who have never panned out or developed. Britton Cox is a Sunday player, but outside of that, they've had problems. They are particularly bad on defense against the run. <laughs> if you want to talk about tendencies, in contrast to the number of times that they throw it, teams run about 40 times a game on this Florida defense. That's tied for 117th in the nation. And I don't think that's just happenstance. Teams are running on this Florida defense because Florida cannot defend the run. They are 122nd yeah. in total EPA uh, against the run. They're 119th in EPA per play. They're 121st in EPA per game. And they're 96th in success rate against the run. They don't Oof. defend the run well. This is a team that UGA should, if everything's going right, run at will against, at least in the second half. They are, they are like, if they are just garbage dumpster fire bad against the run, they are just average bad against the pass. They are in the 80s in most metrics against the pass nationally. Um one of the most one of the UGA fans that I care about the most on Twitter is a guy named Bud Davis, who is a statistics and analytics guy who does some really good game by game breakdowns. He says, and this is something that I haven't seen because I've watched a lot of Florida tape outside of just like catching the games here and there, that basically like their defense has a lot of problems against no huddle and pre-shift, pre-stat motion stuff. And that is UGA's bread and butter. UGA likes to move guys pre and post snap, and they like to run a bunch of different play action mm-hmm. looks. I think this is a defense that you can get back to form against and continue the trend that you saw against Vanderbilt. I think that this is probably the defense that we are going to see that is closest to what we saw against Oregon offensively. This is just a defense that Ooh, has some okay. has some talented players, but on a player-by-player basis has just not performed well. And I think that there is... There's a game plan where you can just score a shit ton of points against this defense for a couple of reasons. One, you know, they don't have great eye discipline, which you can see. I mean, if they're having problems with play action and pre pre and post snap motion, that's an eye discipline thing. Two, they are undermanned talent wise in the front seven and they know it. And three, their defensive backs are good, but not great. So I do think that this is a team that you can run the ball to pass against or you can pass the ball to run. And I don't know, man, just this just feels like a team where it's like you're going to be up for it because it's the Florida game. It, it I mean, it's mm-hmm. almost certainly not going to be a letdown game because Kirby smart teams just don't have letdown games against Florida traditionally. Uh, and this is a this is just to me feels like the kind of defense against which we might at one point say, oh, man, Todd Munkin is in his bag today. Like, I think Todd Munkin might put these guys in the spin cycle. I really do. I I. I I haven't yet fully formulated how I think this game is going to go, but I just think that when Todd Munkin is in his bag and this team is playing up to its ability with or without A.D. Mitchell, they can they can put your head on a swivel. They can really get your eyes yeah. moving around because of how many ways that they move the football pre post snap because of the misdirection stuff, because of the mismatch stuff in the tight end room. I just really think that this is a team against which UJ's offense can put a lot of their players in no-win situations. 
And when you can do that against the defense on a down in and down out basis, you should score a lot. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I think to use my illegal firework uh, metaphor for a second time in two episodes, <laughs> Anthony Richardson is an illegal firework of a QB. He is not in the top 10 of Detmer, which is the, the sickos committee metric for just like chucking it and seeing what happens like excitement. But he is in the top like 20 of Detmer. Like he, he will put the ball up and sometimes good things will happen for his team. And sometimes bad things will happen for his team. Uh, and you know, it, when Florida has won, they it, it's not quite Bo Nix, but he's got a little like, do you have good Bo Nix or bad Bo Nix? You know, and when you have good Bo Nix, he runs mm-hmm. for like 200 yards and scores five touchdowns. And we have bad Bo Nix, he does what he does against UGA. That is not the profile of a quarterback that beats this Kirby Smart coach Georgia team, like just full stop. Yeah. Um, you know, as Bro Broma is has pointed out in the chat of our live recording right now, Florida had the third and Grantham thing against against or under Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham, who would just emotionally blitz all the time uh, on third down, especially. <laughs> and they actually post Mullen have gotten worse defensively on third down. This is just this defense <laughs> is not good. Like I, I'm this ain't it. Yeah, and. and there much has been made about this, I think, in the sort of split zone duo community. But this is a team whose head coach, sorta on Maine, was like, "Hey, uh, this is going to be a hard year for us." Like, like he 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 was very <laughs> honest about tempering expectations from the moment he came in, and I think there is a very specific reason for that. Like he, I I think when this coaching staff came in, they knew that this team was not up to snuff talent wise and uh, you know, as compared to the Florida teams of the past. And I think that is in particular obvious on defense. I mean, this, it definitely, like you said, this feels like a game where if you're looking at our injury report, our injury update right now, the only person on the offense that I'm sort of concerned about when you match these two teams up is Kendall Milton. And even if Kendall Milton does take a game out, which he's questionable right now with a groin injury, if he does, we still have four other running backs who could start anywhere in the league. Yeah, and, l- and let, me, let me put it to you this I fully way. expect. Let me see yeah. if I can il- illustrate this a little better. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so there are all sorts of ways to, cal- to calculate these stats. EPA is a stat that it can be calculated like 10 different ways. But so to do an apples-to-apples apples comparison, okay, <clears throat> against the run, Vanderbilt, who we played last time, is a current mm-hmm. post after playing us, they're 65th in place per game run. They're 63rd in total EPA, 63rd in EPA per play, 63rd in EPA per game, and 82nd in success rate against the run. Before playing Georgia, Florida is already 117th in plays per game defensed, 122nd in total EPA, 119th in EPA per play, 121st in EPA per game, and 95th in success rate. This is a team that has Sheesh. less consistently defended the run than Vanderbilt. That's hard to do. That's I mean, statistically that's the, speaking, that's, that's very hard to do. This is, this is a multi-touchdown <laughs> game. Like even yeah. in an era of spread offense, if a like Kirby Smart teams when they go home to Mama, what they do is they smash your ass. If yeah. like if you if you if Kirby Smart had his way, we would run the ball seventy damn times and get out of there, you know, at six o'clock for a three thirty game, right? And <laughs> this is just a team against which he should probably be able to do that. Yeah, it should be that game. 
And there's a chance we might see that game. <laughs> we might be real bored. <laughs> and that's okay. A win is a win, especially against Florida. And it feels yeah. good to win that way against Florida, I would say. Do you want to do some predictions? Currently, yeah. Vegas odds have this as a 22 and a half point game. Uh, currently, the CBCR to Sam model, our model has this as a 23 point game. So we think that UGA will cover slightly. However, I sort of think the stats profile of this one is that it might be more than slightly. Uh, I, if, if you want, if you want to just go ahead and write into our predictions, to me, this feels like a game that UGA, I think kind of similar to last game where Florida has enough talent to make it, you know, interesting for a quarter to be game for a quarter or two and it may not come in the sort of cavalcade of incredible errors that happened at the end of the last the last first half of the last florida game the way it did the 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 end of the half that basically like ended dan mullen's career at florida i think but it may not come (laughs) that way but i do think that this is a game that uga should take take control of in the second half I do not. I think Florida is more talented than Vanderbilt. I think they are better on offense than Vanderbilt player to player. So I don't see this as being like a shutout or anything. I don't think this is going to be like 52 to nothing. But I do think that UGA covers the spread. To me, this feels like I'm going to say Florida 13. Now, let's say Florida 16. I think they're going to have to settle for some field goals. UGA 45. That feels all right. One thing I'm going to look at before I predict anything is going to be this Florida special teams situation. Oh, it's bad. Here, I can pull it up on SP+. Uh, Yep, it's bad. It's bad. (laughs) It's not great. Okay. So as for predictions for me, I think you're exactly right. I think this is not going to be a very competitive game. I think there might be some moments where Anthony Richardson, he's going to Anthony, Anthony Richardson, he's going to do some stuff. There's going to be some explosive plays. We might get caught in a situation where our secondary is of course injured. It's not as deep right now. We might get tired. There might even be some garbage time scores. Uh, but I do think Georgia's just going to run all day. This will be a quick game and Florida's going to be playing from behind all day, which makes explosive plays that much more interesting and appealing for a team to pursue because playing from behind and also playing with a racing clock because you're you're playing a team that is very strong, uh, has a very strong run game, is going to keep that clock running all day. And so they're just going to be bombing it. And that's Anthony Richardson does that. He can do that well. Um, whether or not he has somebody to catch it consistently is another story. So I do think they'll, they'll, they'll get some points. Um, I don't think it'll be anything insignificant. I think it's a, a Georgia 42, Florida 17 uh, win for Georgia at the end of the day. Yeah. So I don't think we've ever had a lower. I mean, having said this, you know, of course, UGA is going to come up and make this one interesting just by playing like crap. But <laughs> I, I, it's been a long time since I have felt like yeah, UGA should win this running away. And I have tension about it because I always think that we're going to lose to Florida because I've just seen it happen mm-hmm. so many times. But this is a game that UGA should win going away. Handily. Uh, uh, honestly. like yeah. like yeah, handily. UGA should win this game by a lot to a little. I mean, I think if you mm-hmm. look at pretty much every predictive service 
has this as UGA close to a cover at 22 and a half. And, you know, the obvious knock on wood caveat always applies to like, yeah, anything can happen. This is a team that has Georgia has ruined Florida season in the past and Florida could certainly ruin Georgia's, but I just don't, man, I really don't see it. I really don't see it. <laughs> this ain't it. Yeah. So it's just other really happens around the league. We, there's not a whole lot going on around the league you can get into a couple games i think the the kentucky tennessee game is of course uh, important for us uh looking at the games on paper kind of box scores this looks like a game that tennessee should run away with they are just playing at a rate like kentucky has a pretty decent defense tennessee's offense is playing with their hair on fire and i do not think kentucky has any chance to actually keep up against it um if anything kentucky may get some points against the pass because Tennessee is a glass cannon essentially against the pass. They are just as bad against the pass as Florida is against the run. And I'm not kidding. Like the exact same rankings, the exact same EPA Tennessee's whole game plan is let's score more points faster. So they have to play for behind all day. Um, Kentucky is pretty great against the pass. And so it, they could keep it interesting, but I am interested to see how that goes. Um, if Tennessee gets up early, I don't think that Kentucky has a chance to catch back up, but do you have any feelings on that game? I, yeah, I mean, I think this is probably a Kentucky win, uh, or a Tennessee win rather. I'm sorry. I think Tennessee has the talent that they should also win this game. If not going away, then pretty comfortably uh cbcr2 sam has this as a tennessee 33 kentucky 26 kind of game like pretty easily covering the well no not covering the spread the spread is 13 we have this as like an eight point game but still a pretty comfortable one touchdown win comfortable ish i you know comfortable ish i think that if if anyone other than georgia can beat this tennessee team it is this Kentucky team probably on their schedule. This is yeah, that's it. The other game going on, uh, which this is me just trying to find another game to watch, is the Ohio State Penn State game. This is even less interesting to me than the Kentucky Tennessee game, which the Kentucky Tennessee game is actually kind of interesting. It, it has consequences on our own schedule, but this Ohio State Penn State game, I do not think Penn State has any chance in hell to win this game. No. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think, Penn, and that's Penn State... it. Full stop. Even in a win, even after a pretty good win against Minnesota, I don't, I just, I think Ohio State is probably the best team in the nation. I think Ohio State should and can and should be pretty much favored against everyone in the country right now and would be on a neutral fight, neutral site. We have this as Ohio State 43, Penn State 25. The Vegas spread is 14.5 and we have it as a 17, 17 ish point game. Yeah. It's, yeah, Ohio State's offense is just operating just at a level that is absurd, real. unbelievable. Yeah, and I, I, it's just hard for me to imagine Penn State being able to have the horses to run with that. All right, are you yeah. ready to get us out of here? I'm ready. So before Let's get you, on out of here, before you get into the outro, I want to give you a fun mm-hmm. fact, and this is just okay. I want I want us to have this this our our fa- a fact in our pocket going into this weekend i want you to have your head right i want you to have the right attitude towards your the opposing fans that you may see down in jacksonville or towards the screen as uh-huh. you yell at the cbs broadcast crew in the last 40 years <laughs> georgia has never been favored by more than 14 points against florida this is per uh, this is per uh 
Bill Connolly at, at ESPN. And this year they are favored by 23. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Just let that sit with you for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> Take I that am. with you into the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been Chapel Bell Curve. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast. You can also get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve. Email chapelbellcurve at gmail.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Chapel Bell Curve. And as always, if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, like Spotify, for instance. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash chapelbellcurve. And we would love to see you sometime soon, perhaps in the Classic City, or if you're Nathan and one of our darling listeners, perhaps in Jacksonville, Frat Beach, or at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. But until then, go Go dogs. dogs.